This is the Immigrant View with Ayo Oweduni. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Immigrant View with Ayo. My name is Ayo Oweduni.、Uh, a great pleasure being here with you today. I hope you're having a fantastic day. All right. So、uh, let me give you a brief history on this one.、Uh, this is a wonderful podcast that I am just. It's it's been wonderful just learning.、Um, Some of these great, I'm learning so much from these podcasts myself,、uh, as well as as much as you are as well. I came across this book because I was I was doing some research on culture. I was writing a book on culture, so I typed in culture in Amazon, and this book popped up by random, and I was like, "Oh, interesting!" So I purchased the book. Because I thought it was a very interesting book. Actually, it was in my cart for a long time before I finally got it. It's called Canadian Workplace Culture: Mastering the Unspoken Rules. is written.、Uh, it is written by Matt Adolfi. I hope I said that properly, Matt. Yeah. All right, fantastic. And Matt is a private consultant, a speaker, and an author. And in this book, Matt reveals ten rules for fitting in. Becoming accepted and prospering、uh, within the Canadian workplace. Before we get started, Matt, I want to read the intro because I think the intro was just boom in my face. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself wondering why the Canadians don't use their car horns that often, or why simple statements end with "a"? What is "a," Matt? I, I don't know what that means. I, well, sometimes say people say it's cold, eh? It's pretty nice,、ah. eh? That's a nice restaurant, eh? You know, sometimes people just add that little tag at the end, right? Okay, eh? Or why religion <laughs> or politics are seldom discussed in depth, or why many people cannot even bring themselves to watch leadership debates? Why do Canadians find themselves agreeing with their friends, family, and colleagues just to avoid a conflict? Why do they always seem to weigh whether an issue is worth fighting for? And why is the weather the most common topic of conversation? I can't stand that, by the way. <laughs> the answers to these questions define Canadian culture. Knowing the answers helps you understand and be successful in it. When I saw that, I don't think I put the book down after I, I read that intro. But Matt is our guest for today, and we're going to be walking through the book together. Once again, the title of the book:、um, Canadian Workplace Culture. Mastering the unspoken rules. Hi, Matt.、Uh, pleasure having you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I O. Thank you so much for having me on here. I, I appreciate the kind endorsement, and it's、uh, it's a pleasure to have this opportunity to talk through it a little bit. Yeah, it's exciting. So、uh, let, let me just. What was the inspiration behind this book? Why did you write it? Well, it's an interesting、uh, thought. You know, I, I I wrote it back in 2012, and I, not a lot of people know this, but the book was actually the the original intended audience was a younger version of me.、Mm. I you know I had grown up in Canada, and I had found myself sometimes struggling with workplace issues,、uh, different relationships around work, and. And anyways, I grew up and I finished university. I I went abroad. I lived in Korea. I lived in Japan. I lived in Macau for about ten years. And in that time, 
I was always focused on, okay, I got to learn these, these cultures I'm living in. I got to know what I need to do, what I shouldn't do. I want to be able to make friends. I want to be able to build rapport. What do I need to do? And I would talk to good, close friends. I say, tell me what I need. You know, what do I need to know? What, what am I doing wrong? And so I, I explored the world that way. And uh, in 2007, when I came back to Canada and I kind of came back into Canadian culture. Suddenly I started looking through that lens of what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? What can I do better? And I started to see the Canadian workplace culture just start to unfold in front of me. And, mm -hmm. and I started to realize, wow, you know, my whole life I've missed a lot of things. Wow. And I started working with other people that missed a lot of things. And this book is, you know, it goes out to a lot of immigrant service providers, but the intended audience is really anybody. There's Canadians born and raised that struggle too in their jobs, you know, and as well as newcomers to Canada. And so it's kind of for everybody to kind of get an idea of what they're working with, you know, what these some of those expectations are in that workplace culture. And so that's kind of where it all came from. And uh, here it is. Fantastic. All right. So we don't have that much time with you and we have 10 rules. So what we're going to do is we're going to um, I'm going to throw out a rule and you're just going to walk us through it. If possible, Matt, if you can give us some examples or something, that would be awesome uh, as well. So people can um, uh, put it into their, their their context. But some of these rules, I laugh because I, I, I laugh and cover my face in shame because <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, you did that yesterday. <laughs> like, oh, no, you did that last week at the office, Ayo. Come oh. on. So these are so crucial and important. Number one says, put the feelings of others first. Walk us through that. What do you mean? Well, you know, in a, uh, I find that Canada, and we'll probably talk about this in a couple, but one thing that defines the workplace is this uh, a bit of a fear of conflict. I find. And so because there's that fear of conflict, people tend to speak kind of indirectly. And not only that, but people see conflict everywhere. You know, when you're when you have a fear of it, you see it everywhere. And oftentimes, if somebody says it's pretty hot today, isn't it? You say not for me, I'm freezing. You know, that might be your opinion. But the thing is, suddenly, if I'm that indirect person that doesn't like conflict, that's actually a conflict for me. That really? you, yeah, that you would just, it's uh, something as simple as the weather. You just couldn't be agreeable in that moment. You couldn't say, hey, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit uh, warm today. Yeah. You, you know, and so understanding how others feel in those moments, you know, if they share something with you, I really liked that restaurant and you went to that restaurant and you didn't like that restaurant, but you can see on their face how much they enjoyed it. What do you do in that moment? You say, I didn't like it very much. You know, you got to think about, and then that would be a conflict for somebody. They would think, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't like that restaurant. So that's how people kind of regard things when they're, wow. and so that's kind of what happens. So you got to think about how are people feeling? Look at them. If it's a small thing, can you roll with it? You know, and mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. kind of thing. That's that is amazing. So when people say, how is the weather? What should I be saying? Oh, well, if they ask you, how's the weather? You know, you can say, yeah, it's yeah, well, if they say, how's the weather? You can say, yeah, I like the weather's pretty good or it's a little cold. And if you and the other person, you give them an opportunity to say, yeah, it's a little cold so they can bond with you. Right. So if you answer that question first and you say it's hot today, 
a person might say, yeah, it's hot. And that's a way of saying, you know what? I don't want a conflict with you. I want to build a relationship here in this moment. So I'm going to be a little bit agreeable, hmm. you know? Okay. So, wow. <laughs> Thank you for that one. Uh, so there was a phrase in chapter one around, would you mind? Can, can you walk <laughs> us through that? What is this? Would you mind? And I've been practicing it now, Matt, since I read it two days ago, I've been trying to say it and, and use it. The kids are not understanding me at all. Um, I feel like I have to be more direct with them, you know, but I'm, I'm learning to practice the would you mind. So walk us through what that is. Yeah, would you? So it's when you're dealing with indirect people, oftentimes, you know, they're, they're definitely sensitive to any opportunity that could potentially raise discomfort in a conversation. So mm. you need to be aware of that. And so instead of telling somebody what to do, I need you to do this we turn it more into a suggestion. Would you mind to do this or could you do that? And I talked to one person and he said, you know, I started a new job and they gave me this tour around the office and they say, yeah, there's the lunch room. Normally we take a break at 11. Um, you know, we try to get here before uh, six o'clock or something. And he said, as I was touring, he said, I realized they're telling me what to do, but in an indirect way, I, that means I have to take my lunch at 11. That means I have to be here. And so he started scrambling to take notes, right? So that's wow. kind of how you give people direction, a little bit of a, you know, we do this, you could try that, you know, this is a good idea to do this. Have you thought about this? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> This is awesome. I'm sorry I keep laughing, Matt. I'm just blown away. I feel like I'm learning how to walk again, you know, learning some of these things that you're sharing. Uh, they're powerful, they're profound, and I remember stories. Uh, I'm just, as you're saying it, I'm going, oh, crap, that's what that person really meant that day. <laughs> Well, so I apologize why I keep laughing. Like you're exposing things on my end here of things I've done wrong. So let's go to rule number two, understand indirect communication. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, we have a, a variety of different cultures around the world, and they're kind of on a direct and indirect spectrum, mm -hmm. right? You have some very indirect cultures, and you have some very direct cultures, and Canada leans towards the indirect one. It's, it's basically because you're dealing with people that don't like a lot of conflict. So indirect culture, teamwork is very important, fitting into a team, showing that you're part of a team, you know, um, and you communicate with one another like that. And so I think it's important for people to get it. It's um, when you come from a direct culture, it's, it's quite different. You know, there's a lot more eye contact in, in some sense, you know, it's you, do you like, for example, I would say, Hey, could you help me move my house this weekend? And a direct per a person would ask you that question, look in your eyes for a yes or a no. Um, you know, in an indirect culture, uh, somebody might say, Hey, could you help me move this weekend? And, you know, you would just hold your back a little bit and say, you know, I'd like to help you, you know, but an indirect don't want to say no, because it's considered a bit rude and it could lead to conflict. So they like to say it in another way. And direct people are looking for yes or no. Mm -hmm. um, and they're looking for, do I do this or do I do that? And what they get faced with are a lot of suggestions. And I was talking to this one person and she said, she started working at a place in Canada and she had this boss. And it's funny because the boss is Canadian and says to her, you know, I'm direct. I'm a direct person. And oftentimes when I run into 
Canadians and say, I'm a direct person. Oftentimes I don't know if they fully understand what directness really is, you know? And so uh, she was working with this one supervisor and, and she's quite direct and she was doing some kind of activity in the office and the supervisor came in and said, uh, Hey, how's it going? And she said, well, I started here. I started doing this task and then I finished over here. And the supervisor says, well, you know, that's, uh, that's great. That's, you know, you, you, you followed a process. Usually we start here and work back, but what you did, that's fine. You know, that's, you know, that's how you oh, do yeah, things. People, but that's okay. But that's okay. But it's that's okay. okay. You know? And so what you're supposed to do is a direct person would think, oh, I'm doing fine. You know, and an indirect person is just basically telling them you need to do it the other way. And so that's some of the challenges, you know, working with direct and indirect communication patterns. Hmm. So how do you how do you pull from that type of person? So I'm sitting, I'm hearing all this indirect or they're saying things and I, I see the body language and, and whatever, but I can't fully read it. How do I pull more information to get what they're really trying to say from them. Is it possible? Well, it is possible. And it's, it's really in body language and reactions, you know? Um, you, so if people are uh, a little unhappy with what you're doing, it, it's going to be a slight reaction in tone. It's like, for example, you're at the, uh, the water cooler at work and you're really excited about a movie you've seen. And it's like, well, yeah, we watched this movie. It was, you know, it was Star Wars. And the people are looking at you and they're, and they're saying, oh, really? Oh, okay. And yeah, and then they did this and they went there. Oh, and when the O and the I context starts to get a little bit more exaggerated, that's a signal for you to stop talking. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Continue. (laughs) This is awesome. Really? Oh, there it is. Really? Yeah, people start to go, oh, really? Yeah, and they're like, oh. Well, Matt, I feel silly now because I just kept going. (laughs) No, well, you know, sometimes we miss those messages and we think, wow, people want to hear more. And, uh, Oh, wow. That is, that is interesting. Okay. Because of time, uh, let's jump to rule number three. Uh, use everyday conversation strategies. Walk us through that, please. Yeah. You know, so when you're working in a place, you want to make sure that you're kind of building rapport, working well with people, making friends. And so I recommend the small steps. So, you know, when people talk about the weather, for example, I know I I speak to a a lot of direct friends from a lot of direct cultures, and they just don't see, they just don't understand the weather. I spent some time in the United States, which is, you know, quite a direct, more direct than you'd find here in Canada. And I would be making conversation and, and I would say, oh, it's really, the weather's really nice. They say, yeah, it's nice. Is the weather always this nice to say, Matt, why are we still talking about the weather? <laughs> you know, but it's like here, it's really a kind of a test. You know, it's a, it's a way to see that we're safe with one another. You know, the small talk is so if, if I say, yeah, if I say the weather is nice and you say, yeah, it's nice. That means, hey, we're friends. And 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 I feel but if you say something like, no, the weather is uh, it's too hot. Immediately, the first thing that comes to mind is 
our entire relationship flashes in front of my eyes. I see that every project we work on, when I'm going to say something, you're going to say the opposite. And, you know, oh. and it's, so that starts flashing. So those conversations, those little conversations you have with people really build that bit of trust. And hmm. so I just encourage people, yeah, just try to be, um, I'll tell you what, here's one funny thing. You just, just, there was a famous uh, writer, what was his name? Uh, Stephen Covey, you know, he wrote the uh, Seven, Seven most, Habits. Right. And one thing that struck me in his book is he said, you know, everybody you work with is an emotional bank account and you want to make sure you're putting in deposits, not making withdrawals, right? And, um, and in the Canadian workplace, it's similar. You want to be putting with, you know, you want to be putting in deposits. And how you do that is you be a good listener. You know, so if you're around the if you're around the water cooler, for example, and you're you're talking to three people, maybe they've all got kids, you know, and they're talking about how difficult it is for their kids to eat vegetables. You know, one person says, yeah, I can't, the, you know, the kid never touches anything. The other one says, I know. It's like I gotta hide it in the food. And the other one says, I gotta put cheese on it. And they look at you. And your child has no problem eating vegetables. That child here loves vegetables. You go to the supermarket, you're, you're, they're grabbing broccoli as they're going by the vegetable thing. Now, they look at you and they say, what about you, Matt? Now, you have an opportunity there. Now, you, you, can, you can say straight out, well, my kid loves vegetables. And if you do that, you know, for indirect people, that becomes a mini conflict for them. And it's like, well, why would he do that? You know, why would he say something like that when all three of us have clearly expressed that we're having a difficult time and now he's come out as he's somebody's better than us in a way, you know? Wow. And so in a situation like that, I just encourage people to say, you don't have to lie, but you can just say, yeah, it can be challenging. You know, yeah. Just think about other people. Think about the conversation. Think about the purpose of it. Those small conversations are to show people that you work with that it's not about conflict. It's about collaboration. It's about mm -hmm. listening. It's about understanding. And that's and that's those small conversations. They mm -hmm. they can make or break a relationship. You know, mm -hmm. am I getting too dark? OK. Oh, no, no. This is good stuff. Okay. So you say somewhere in that chapter, uh, Canadians sometimes show their displeasure by not returning simple everyday courtesies. So question number one is, can you expand on that? Question number two is, how do we read and know that I am having conflict with this person? I think I am clueless when someone is having an issue with me. Like, I think all is well. And I just keep going until I hear from somebody else that they're not happy with me. Like, really? When did that happen? Yeah, you know, so, you know, you see it sometimes, for example, if uh, your next door neighbor often says good morning to you, and then the next day, you don't get that. At you know, you at some point, you got to wonder what's changed. And, you know, in that indirect culture, they want you to think about that. You know, I, I've, I had a supervisor in the past who always returned emails super fast. And then one time, I was sending in emails, and I wasn't getting responses. So I knew something wasn't wasn't uh something wasn't right you know and i you go and talk to that supervisor and they say no no I, i'd say hey how's it going everything all right oh yeah no everything's great and you leave there thinking it's not great and now that little conversation's kind of confirmed it so mm. then what you have to do and you can't ask you can't say did i do something wrong and they're gonna like no what no what are you talking about? Because they don't want to have that conflict. So you have to really examine that situation and go away. And so I've had car rides home 
where I've just been thinking backwards. You know, like when you lose something and you take step back and you walk backwards to find it, that's mm. sometimes what you need to do. And then I discovered mm. what it was. It occurred to me, there was something that happened in a meeting where I think I was, uh, I expressed an opinion that was a bit strong maybe. Mm. And I realized, and then you figure it out. And then people ask me, well, Matt, once you figure it out, what do you do? And how do you fix it? Well, you can't go to that person and say, hey, good morning. I figured it out on the ride home. I cut you off in that meeting, and that's why you're angry. <laughs> and they, you know, they're not, that's going to make things worse. They're going to say, I don't understand what you're, what you're talking about. I don't even remember that meeting. But, you know, so sometimes people have to realize, so what do you do? How do you recover that? Um, and it takes what you'd have to do is build back the trust like you would if, if, if you had a difficulty with a direct person. You've got to look at strategies to build back the trust and and you just got to be strategic with it. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, man, this is awesome. OK, well, <laughs> uh, we've uh, I'm here with Matt Adolfi and we've gone through we're going through. Uh, this uh, wonderful book called Canadian Workplace Culture, Mastering the Unspoken Rules. He's the author of the book. We've looked at uh, three rules now. Uh, put the feelings of others first. Understand indirect communication. Use everyday conversation strategies as well. And oh, by the way, there's a self-reflection segment in, uh, at the end of every chapter where you get to go through some questions to think through, uh, to ask yourself, uh, how are you doing in, in these areas? So it's something to definitely think about. So we're moving to rule number four, and then we're going to end the podcast at rule number four. Uh, and then uh, the next podcast, which will be a week from now, uh, we'll continue on with rule number five. So don't be perceived as arrogance. Yeah, that's an interesting one. That was a particularly interesting one because uh, when you're working with within an indirect culture that doesn't like conflict, the idea is you want to show that you're a part of a team. And hmm. that makes people feel comfortable and they feel like they can trust you. If you enter that team being very individualistic, doing your own thing, being a little outside of the norm, you risk people perceiving you as arrogant. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, and it's an interesting concept because arrogance, when you look it up in the dictionary, it's like somebody that just looks down on other people. But right. in this workplace, arrogance is, you know, what do you think you're doing? You know, like, uh, you know, that's not kind of how we operate. That doesn't keep the team safe by standing out like that. And, and so just being aware of how to do it, and it, it can happen very quickly, you know, it, it could, and I'll tell you a funny story. Um, there was somebody I knew who had a, a new pair of glasses, and they were kind of fashionable, quite flashy, okay? Nobody in the, the office wore that kind of flash. Everybody was a little bit low-key with their fashion, and... So the new person had these glasses and uh, and they were getting to know everybody and things were going well and people liked this person. And then in a meeting, the, the person wearing those glasses kind of said something like similar to what I was mentioning earlier. It's like, I disagree with that idea. I don't think it's a good idea. And somebody leaned towards me and said in, in a hushed voice, now the glasses make sense. And I'm like, what? What do you mean the glasses make sense? It's like, you see, that was so in the back of everybody's mind, that was that 
that uh, that burst of individuality that the person was showing in this group was actually creating a little bit of discomfort because they were so outside of the norm of the group. And so they weren't showing it to that person. But when that person kind of acted in a certain way that was really outside of the norm, then that kind of came back. And I thought that was fascinating. And I, I think, and I've made the mistake myself, you know, it's, uh, you know, if you, you just got to watch how you communicate and mm. observe your group and get to know them. Yeah. Wow. So page 30 of um, the book on the rule four, the following examples highlight behaviors that might cause others to perceive you as arrogant. Mm -hmm. You're always in high spirits, oh, very playful, one. energetic. Oh yeah, that, that knocks me out. Um, you like to talk about yourself, your life and your family. You could be perceived as arrogant. Your clothes are a little different from those of everyone else. What, what do you mean by clothes, Matt? Are, are you well, saying- fashion more or less you know like i mean uh I, I think maybe let's look at it this way you know it's not really so much about the clothing but maybe it's the uh jewelry you know like nobody like for example if nobody in the office wears jewelry and somebody's coming with a rolex watch you know mm -hmm. that that sends a sign you know like in different cultures like i know in the united states material wealth is, a, is almost a value if you have material wealth it shows you work hard and and they see so people that if you have a boss in the united states that comes to work and they're and they're wearing, they have a beautiful handbag, they're driving a nice car, you're proud that you work for somebody because that sh everybody can see that they worked hard to get there. Here, if you do that, it's seen as you're showing off. You know, it's like, it's, they don't equate it with hard work. It's like, you're showing off. Nobody wears jewelry. Nobody wears Rolexes to the office, not even the CEO, and you are. Do you know what mm. I mean? And mm. so that gets perceived as, you know, arrogant it can be perceived as arrogance little things like that interesting you like people to know that you have a special taste that you have special taste you know you talk about a particular type of art food genre of film uh number five you don't make an effort to remember people's names number six you complain a little too much number seven you ask for help for things that you could probably do on your own Number eight, you think you're irreplaceable. Number nine, you don't volunteer to help out at work functions. And number 10, when you start a new job, you question everything being done at the company and then you suggest changes. If you do any of these things, there's a likelihood that these behaviors could be perceived as arrogance. Okay, we're going to end the podcast for today, part A. Uh, the next, next week from now, we're going to be looking at rule number five, six, seven. But I do encourage you to go get this book. We're like trying to rush through as quickly as possible, but there's so many other nuggets that are part of this. Um, so yeah, look out for part B next week.